And I, I switched it on and I went to Trader Joe's to get groceries. And at the time, my, my ex-wife and I were talking and we were like, man, I hope I make like $5,000. Like, I hope, I hope all of this is enough to make like $5,000, you know, just to kind of break even with, you know, getting the site set up. And I went to Trader Joe's, did my shopping, came back out, checked my phone, and I'd made $20,000 in the first like two hours. Welcome back. This is the second episode where I was able to host Kirk Mastin, the CEO of Mastin Labs. And in this episode, we dig in to how he's built an incredibly successful worldwide business by selling a digital product. He talks about how to stay lean. He talks about how to automate and how by doing so, you're, you're able to weather most, if not any, storms. So stay tuned. I'm excited to share this last of the episode with you. Let's rock. If you're like me, you're an artist and entrepreneur. You've got big ideas, unique skills and services that frankly, no one else can offer the way you do. Yet you're probably still asking yourself these questions. How do you make money yet still have time to create as an artist? How do I run a business if my mind doesn't necessarily think that way? And how can I create a future that isn't dependent on me trading my time for money? Those are the questions we ask ourselves, and this podcast will answer them. My name is Nathan Freitas, and this is the Creative Entrepreneur Blueprint. Follow me as I demystify running a profitable creative business and empower thousands of other creative entrepreneurs like you to make money doing what they're meant to do and impact the world in the process. Let's rock. And that is the reason I think a large, in a large part that Mastin Labs eventually took off is that I became well, well known enough from my style that I had a lot of support when I launched Mastin Labs uh, to make that successful. And I could use all my own images to launch it. And I think I told you the day that I launched it, you know, I'd finally gotten everything together. I'd made my first like preset, which was Portrait 400. And I put it up on a website that I'd built. It was one page. And all it was was a grid of images, nine images in two columns. One was film and one was digital on each side. You know, I, I'd done these tests mm-hmm. and it was like, one, some of these are digital, some are film. Can you tell which is which? Enter your email here and I'll send you the answer along with my guide to shooting film and digital together. And it was when I kind of invented like hybrid photography, which is the idea of shooting digital film together. And I had 5,000 people eventually sign up for that. And once they signed up, I switched the, fl- the site over to, to selling my first preset and sent it out to everyone. And I said, uh, the, the thing that you saw was my Portra 400 that I developed for myself you know, over the last few years and it's for sale. And if you buy it now, I promise that I'm gonna add two more in the next few months, I'm working on them, but I need, I need the support to get started. And I, I switched it on and I went to Trader Joe's to get groceries. And at the time, my, my ex-wife and I were talking and we were like, man, I hope I make like $5,000. Like, I hope, I hope all of this is enough to make like $5,000, you know, just to kind of break even with, you know, getting the site set up. And I went to Trader Joe's, did my shopping, came back out, checked my phone, and I'd made $20,000 in the first 
like two hours. Oh my and gosh. Was, yeah, it was totally nuts. And, uh, and people were like, this is unlike anything else. Like it's so clean. It looks real. Like we can't tell the difference. Um, and at that point I could relax a little bit and know that I could transition out of weddings eventually. Cause I was in so much pain all the time. Um, and yeah, I just put everything into mass and labs and kept developing my testing process, started hiring people. Um, how, how soon did you start hiring someone and, and what was that first role? Oh boy. Um, I bootstrapped as long as I could. I learned all about automation, Facebook marketing, everything on my own, uh, automated every process I could. Cause I just didn't want to hire and manage someone. I didn't know how. Mm-hmm. A lot of creatives are solo, you know, lone wolf kind of people. Right. Um, like managing another pe- person sounds like hell. So I put it off as long as I could, but then it got to be too much. I couldn't handle it. I was starting to get sloppy. I had, you know, misspellings in my newsletters. Uh, I wasn't uh, blogging enough. Um, I wasn't mm-hmm. getting stuff out enough to the community, which had started to really explode. So my first hire was like just someone I knew, uh, this, uh, this girl named uh, Catherine Stevens. She's awesome. And I sat down with her in a cafe and I said, you know, I don't know exactly what I need you to do yet, but I just have too much to do. So let's write out everything I'm doing and see what makes sense for you to take on. And she started making content for me and managing Instagram and some of the Facebook group. And our first office was in a work share space where we rented a desk against a wall that had two seats and I just didn't want to work at home anymore. I wanted it to feel like a real business. So I I rented this desk and it was $80 a month and we would just meet there and work. And then, you know, that was like where we'd take phone calls and do everything like around all these other people working in this tiny space. Right. Oh my God. (laughs) I can't believe it. Uh, And then after that, I, I started to, more clearly see what I needed to delegate so I could focus on making the product. Cause that was the only thing I couldn't delegate. And then from there I built my team out and we went from small office to slightly larger to slightly larger than a closet to, you know, like as basically as small as I could, you know, as lean as I could run everything um, to eventually owning an entire building, which is what I have now. And now we have lots of employees and lots of people. How many employees do you have now? Well, times are a little bit tough right now. So yeah. we're, we're down to five main people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got, you know, probably 14 uh, like contractors uh, that do various things. And some of them have been with us for like five or six years. Wow. So I, I consider, I consider them employees in a way, although they do take on work outside of Masson labs and they, they don't live in Seattle. Got it. Yeah. There's so much there that I wanted to unpack. Um, a couple things, you know, you, you talked about the automation when you first started, yeah. uh, are there like, if you, if you had a go-to automation tool today, based on all the, all these years of experience, what, what, what would you recommend for someone who's looking at starting their own thing? Um, I would say the most efficient thing that you can do is create a marketing plan for the year 
and really break it down into quarters and what, what you feel is a good output for your business at its size. Like how many blog posts, how many Instagram posts, et cetera, uh, put those into like buckets and then find a program for each that automates it as best as possible. For example, uh, for, um, Instagram, we used later. I think we then moved on to, Oh, what's it called? What is it called? See, I don't manage this stuff anymore. Anyway, there there are multiple, there are multiple Mm -hmm. platforms that let you bulk, uh, you know, bulk post like with a schedule. Mm -hmm. That is the key. That is the key. The the worst thing that a, a, a business owner can do, especially if you're by yourself is just do things as they are necessary and as they come up. It's so much better. You can appear to be a much larger company. If you write an outline of what you're trying to accomplish, like what your metrics are, you're trying to get to, and metrics might be a scary word to people. It just means like work backward from how much do you want to engage your community? Like how many posts? No one knows the answer, but just pick something. Mm-hmm. How much money you want to try to make every month? How many products you need to sell? how big your email list needs to get and work backwards from that to determine how much output you need in each channel. Like you don't want to do too much, but you don't want to do too little. Yeah. And if you spend a little bit of time planning that out, you can be very efficient as one person. And if you bulk schedule things like you can use tailwind for Pinterest, you can use later for Instagram. Um, You can use a program called ad espresso for Facebook ads if you use these programs, they pay, they pay for themselves 10 times over because you can be organized. And for example, as a solo person, I would split up my week. So like Monday, I would get together all of the things I want to have on Instagram for the next like three weeks. Like I'd mm-hmm. pick a Monday and do all of that in one day. Tuesday, I would deal with a Facebook group and put any kind of like announcements or posts or whatever in there and answer questions. Wednesday, I would dive into all my customer support tickets. This is before I had like a support person. Yeah. And then I would repeat this again on Friday. Um, you know, Thursday, I would brainstorm like new ways to develop my products, like new markets, new things. You know, I would dedicate a time block for that. Where did you learn that from? Uh, myself. I don't know. Just from desperation necessity I mean, it's, it's a it's a one of i don't i don't want to interrupt but it's like it's a powerful example of um uh, of batching batch processing yes it's one of like it's one of like the 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 core things that leading entrepreneurs recommend it's like you know you, you cannot multitask focus on one thing get it done move on to the next and you just innately were doing that it's incredible okay yeah i mean down to like even um yeah, and then working backward you always mm-hmm. want to work backward you start with the result and work backward to what you need to make it happen. Uh, otherwise, yeah. otherwise there's no, there's no uh, goal line. There's no finish line. You don't know if you're like succeeding or failing or anything. You need to figure out where the finish line is. Be reasonable about it. Like some people, you know, none of, you don't, yeah, it's great to say shoot for the moon and all that, but just set something that keeps you in business. Like be reasonable. And then work backwards from that and try to hit that goal. And if you go over it, then adjust it next time and go a little bit bigger. Um, but it's really important 
to have goals. Like plans without goals are just wishes. You know, like, or, uh, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're just wishes. Like they're hopes and dreams. They're meaningless. Yeah. Hopes mm-hmm. and, you know, fill my bucket with hopes and dreams and there's, and it's just completely empty. Yeah. Um, if, if you set goals, you can tackle them. I mean, every, every business person in the world's probably heard that. Um, but also use the tools at your disposal. We ran super lean and I'm really glad we did. We have no invest. <laughs> Most people wouldn't be happy to say this, but we have no investors. We have no mm-hmm. board. We've never taken any fundraising money or anything. Part of the reason is this. I, uh, during my wedding career, I had to occasionally stop and work other jobs to make ends meet, especially with like a baby. Yeah. And I worked in a few startups in Seattle, worked in several. And, uh, I was normally the community manager or the head of marketing. Sometimes I was both. And I can tell you the fastest way to kill a company, a startup from the inside, there's two things. One is a toxic work environment. So like if you have uh, tribes forming within a company and I'm sure this happens everywhere, you got to kill that shit immediately. You can't let it, you can't let it live. You got to fire people, let people go. You can't have a toxic work environment because you're not only competing against other companies, you're competing internally and you don't have the energy. It's impossible. It's it's, it's the whole like house divided, you know, can't stand. Yeah. Um, The other thing is, you don't want to have investors because then you have another master that's going to keep changing what direction you're facing. Right. So, so I worked in a game company where we developed a, an online game environment, like a social environment where you could build games and then share them with your friends and then you could play your games and you could give them rewards and you could, and the way they would monetize would be to buy new pieces that you could add to your game. So it was like, it was like Minecraft, but like beyond Minecraft, you can make a racing game or a shooting game or a game of tag or a game where you race boats or whatever in this really cool 3d environment. As the head of marketing, I thought I'd be marketing this product to like 13 year olds. That was our demographic. Mm -hmm. Instead, I spent my entire career at that company rearranging a PowerPoint deck to show to the investors that were constantly flying in from California. Wow. Because they, they would fly in and be like, you know what? I think we should make this a military simulation for the military and try to set, sell it that way. And then someone else would come in and go, you know, I, I'm invested in a lot of medical stocks. I want this to be a surgery simulator. So, so you're just constantly would, putting together positioning decks and messaging decks. Yes. And the company went under. Wow. What a, if we had no investors, yeah. if we had no investors we would have gone with the original vision of the, of the veteran game developers there who were amazing game developers who had made like Mech Warrior and all kinds of really cool games that we grew up playing, right? Yeah. A, a wing commander, like, uh, like, yeah. like a really good team. <laughs> You're you taking know? me back, dude, <laughs> sitting on yeah. like the, the bean bag in my family room. <laughs> yeah, like oh. su- supremely good game developers and we were crushed by our investors. Hmm. Um. So that's something I, I really wanted to avoid with Masson Labs. So we, we, we always were in a small space. We ran with a skeleton crew. I mean, we still do. You know, everyone, everyone's doing multiple positions. 
but we're all about efficiency and how much, how big can we appear compared to how big people think we are? And that's kind of my metric. Part of my metric for success is, you know, how big can we appear with as few people and as few resources as possible? And, how, and that's why you, we, that's ahead. how we're going to weather this. That's how we're going to weather this storm right now. Like a lot of our competitors are already closed down. They've got too many, <clears throat> too many people, yeah. too many, too many resources going out. So, and you've done something. You've done a good job too. You've got. You said you own the building, so there's an opportunity to leverage that and, and turn that into a revenue stream to to help weather the storm. I would imagine. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we we had to make it fun, but we uh, we always worked in a very tiny space. I mean, one time we had a room that was 120 square feet. And we had six people working there in, on stand-up desks because there was no room to sit down. Mm-hmm. And we had a, a table that folded out of the wall when we wanted to have like a conference and a big whiteboard and a clock, okay? And a clock. And, <laughs> and the company was making a lot of money. But I wanted to keep it really lean because eventually I had, I had enough saved up that we could buy a building. I, I had gone out looking at like... Um, office rentals in Seattle and we couldn't find an appropriate space for like under five grand a month. So that's like 50, that's like 60,000 a year. And by saving up, I was able to buy like a brand new, huge live work townhome that had a huge space underneath and then like three floors above and then a deck and it's all ours. And for a while we moved into the bottom and rented out the top. So we were getting no, you know, we're paying no rent. Uh, the, the, the tenants above were paying the rent and then we expanded again and took over the whole building. And then we transformed the bottom into a, a studio that people could rent. So we don't need it all the time. We, we do a lot of film testing, but we're not doing it like all the time. And that, that area is like amazing. We've got like six backdrops, beautiful windows, tons of equipment, lighting, cameras, film scanners. And we made that an opportunity to make revenue from the bottom portion of the building while expanding. So that's what we did. Um, that's why, that's why it's good to run lean, no investors. I know that runs so counter to everything, but we were never about being a gigantic, huge company that we're going to flip and sell either. Right. It was just like, how can we have a really good live work balance? for me and my kids so I can see them and how mm-hmm. can everyone in my company have a good live and work balance so they can have a life and see their families and, and be happy. That was our goal. It wasn't to like raise a bunch of money and get big and sell and then make another company and get big and sell and then be just a total miserable bastard. Like most of the tech people I know that did that, that made a ton of money, kept selling, kept flipping, you know, got divorced, never saw their kids, burned out, had heart attacks. Uh, yeah, they've got all this money and all this stuff, but they're miserable. Dude, Not that, all of them, but a lot. It, that's like I get true. emotional when you say that. Like it is, it's true because it's it's it. Well, it's emotional because it's not only true, but it it it's it's like people are on this. You know, they, the, it's the rat race. It's the crazy wheel. It's this this belief that if you have these things, you will find joy and they're constantly searching for it and potentially missing out entirely on true joy. Yes. Like 
time with your children, time in the morning, two hours in the morning to do absolutely nothing but journal and think. Yes. It's yeah. insanity. Um, gosh, yeah. dude, uh, there is... <sighs> Where to even start? It's like we, 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 we worship uh, Steve Jobs, but if you've ever read his biography or how he lived, mm-hmm. that's no way for a human to live. Mm-hmm. Fucking miserable. It's terrible. It's the worst. He was crazy. He was a workaholic. I mean, he gave us a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. It's not, but it's not reasonable for any other human being to live the life he did. And you wouldn't want it. Mm-mm. No, no. You've got like the, the Elon Musks right now who are saying work 100 week, hour weeks, 100 hour weeks. Crazy. I mean, for him, that works for him. But yeah. I don't know. I went to Costa Rica and I met like people that live down there uh, in the surfing town who are just chill and happy. I don't know. I mean, I'm only seeing the surface, but like, it's fun. Do you know the story about the businessman and the fisherman? You must know the story. Do you know the story? Uh, I've, I've heard so many parables of, of businessmen and fishermen. Please share it. I, I, I might have, but please share it. Okay. And, 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 then, and then we might need to circle back to the grasshopper and Anne if that's still applicable. <laughs> oh, that one's good too. That, that applies to now. I love stories. Okay. okay. So a businessman and his family went on vacation down to Mexico to a little fishing village. And one night after dinner, he walks out on the beach and he meets a fisherman coming in with his boat and all of his fish. And, and he goes, you know, I'm really good at business and you look like a really nice guy. Let me help you grow your fishing business. And he's like, right. I'm going to teach you how to like hire more people get more nets, more boats. You have a more efficient fishing system. I'm going to teach you how to market and, and do all this stuff so that one day you'll have enough money to go on vacation and do whatever you want. And the fisherman, the fisherman goes like, what are you talking about? He's like, I have everything I want. I wake up, at, you know, I wake up in the morning, I go fishing, I come back. My, my wife has made me lunch. We make love, we sleep for a few hours, we get up, we play with our kids, you know, uh, and then I go out to the town and hang out with my friends and have a few glasses of beer and talk about the day. And I, I've shortened the parable a lot, but, but basically <laughs> the businessman was trying to teach the fisherman how to get back to being who he already was, like back right. to that life. And that is something that's so easily forgotten. Like it's the treadmill. It's the treadmill. It's the hedonic treadmill. It's the worst thing in the world. I, I recommend everyone Google it because we're all on it. We're programmed to be on it. But basically, you adapt to whatever you have and then you need more. And it doesn't matter who you are. Um, like Jim Carrey is a very fascinating person to me. Not because totally do you know have you do you know more about him lately? Yeah, like the I mean, last I've, few I've, years. Yeah, I've seen the art he's creating, and he's very spiritual. I've I've heard him talk. It's fascinating. He's like a he's a modern day Buddha. So <laughs> he he accomplished everything. He had all the money he could ever want. He had an amazing career, and yet he was completely miserable and and basically suicidal mm-hmm. because. He was so much on that treadmill. He got everything he wanted and he still wasn't happy. And he had, I think it was after his girlfriend committed suicide 
that he had this big awakening about the reality of it all. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people call him like a madman and all this stuff, but he's he's a hundred thousand percent right that that everything is a joke. Like uh, all of Hollywood is a joke. All of this rat race is a joke. It's all smoke and mirrors. And he's really about getting back down to what it is to being a human and actually seeing each other and understanding the human experience. And that he's not exactly Jim Carrey. He's he's like a a spirit, you know, that acts like Jim Carrey. Um, that's a good lesson for everybody chasing the next big thing because you'll never be happy that way. It, mm-hmm. It's it's like you were saying about walking in the park and you closed your eyes and you felt the sun mm-hmm. and you felt at peace. Mm-hmm. How much did it cost you to do that? Nada. Nothing. And when can you do it? Anytime I want. Anytime you want. Mm-hmm. So that kind of blows apart a lot of stuff. That's I agree, man. I agree. Yeah. And then someone's whoever's listening to this right now is is, is thinking, <laughs> but I still have to make money. But and yes, this, you do. Right. Yeah. I think it was found to be like seventy thousand dollars was the break even point for happiness and income. Um, you know, once you have enough to feed yourself and clothe yourself and have some kind of basic level of security, like the the amount of happiness that is added through money diminishes quite quickly to where mm-hmm. it's probably zero. Um, it's like having a cheat code in a video game. Uh, it sounds like a really good idea. And, but the reason a, a game is fun is because it's hard. And the moment that it's easy and you have all the items and you're invincible, it's hell. It's, there's no interest. It's depressing. It's empty. It's a hollow shell. Um, people like Bill Gates have avoided that by giving and doing cool stuff for others. You know, like the, the, this massive amount of wealth, they're like trying to solve big problems and like give and help. Right. But other billionaires who just consume and try to find happiness the other way, like sheiks in Saudi Arabia with giant mega yachts, I promise you they're not that happy. No, totally agree. And someone out there is going, oh, yeah, well, that's easy for you to say. Well, if I had a mega yacht, I'd be really happy. Yeah, but you would get used to it. Very quickly. Yep. Like months. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You'd be back where you started. In I, fact, it would probably be a headache. Probably be a headache. It'd be like, oh, God, I got to deal with the yacht. Like, I got to, like, you know, find, you know, I got to fire that guy, hire that guy. This thing's broken. You know, someone's coming to me with details about it. For sure. Yeah, it becomes a... I, I had a I had a Porsche 911 for about a year before I got divorced, and that first the first like three to six months, amazing, it was amazing, and I loved the yeah. car. But then after a while, it was it was a pain because I was thinking, wait, what's going on with the tires, or is the vibration of the is the vibration right? Do I need to get it aligned? Do I I have to park on the other side of the parking lot so it doesn't get scratched? Oh, kids are getting in. Hey guys, wash your shoes. Oh shit, you just scuffed up the the leather like. So I sold it for a yeah. Prius and it's like, oh, I hop in, the car gets dirty. No worries. Who cares? <laughs> Who yeah. cares? It gets you worried. And now I just use Turo. I'm like, okay, if I want a sports car, like I want to get that hit, great. Here's 200 bucks, Mr. Mrs. Turo um, owner, your driver, whatever. Yeah. I'll take, I'll take your car for a day and have fun with it and then give it right back to you. Yes. Totally. Mm. Totally. Yeah. I, I want to, um, this has been a lot of fun. I, 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 I want to wrap this with 
kind of one last idea or message, if you will, that, that I'm passionate about. And I think you are doing, and I actually think because of the way the economy's where we're at right now, I think there's going to be more of it. And, and that is this, this, uh, this information um, economy, right? You, you have, you have created, you created something that was in your head, right? Like I, I, I think I can replicate film, the look and feel of film with my digital, in, you know, wedding photography images. Yeah. And you took that knowledge and you packaged that up and you sold it. Yes. And, right. And you've created a business. You've created a lifestyle for yourself. You've created a lifestyle for the, the employees that you've employed and the contractors that you employ. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful. And it's like, and, and I want to give people context here as you wrap this up, because this idea of selling information, um, because honestly, I think because we're going to be working a lot more remotely to your point, right? We're going to be trying to, uh, there's going to be yeah. things and processes put in place to prevent us from getting sick. And so um, I want to give people context. Like you've created this lifestyle, but we're, we're selling information. The question I had in my mind is what, what is, like, I don't even know what the margins are for a product-based company where you're actually manufacturing, like manufacturing a car. I would imagine your profit yeah. margins are sub 5%, Yeah, 5% maybe. Yeah. Right. Can you share, what does what a profit margin look like for an information business like yours? Well, the product itself costs nothing to make. I mean, once it's, no, it costs a lot up front. But once it's made, kind of the way I think about it is that you've created, your, your website is like a robot that is selling something you've already made 24 hours a day, seven days a week, while you're sleeping, while you're awake, while you're working on other things. Mm -hmm. And so the margins are huge. And that's amazing. Um, we were completely unaffected supply line or su supply line or su supply side in this crisis like our mm -hmm. supply chain is not affected right because mm -hmm. we have a digital product mm -hmm. that's huge right there mm -hmm. the other thing too is with a digital product you can really play with pricing and sales because you're still making profit even if you sell it low or lower the only things that we, that, so we, we don't have money in product. We have money in marketing and in people. And those things, um, those things are easier to kind of like understand and see where the value is constantly from them. Uh, it's so much better than having say product in a warehouse where all of a sudden you can't sell it or it goes out of style or God, if you sold food right now uh, to restaurants or restaurants have bought it and it's just rotting um, or say you manufacture something in China and during the very beginning of this, this outbreak like that, that factory is quarantined or shut down. Well, now right. what do you do? Oh right. God, I, what a nightmare. I don't know. Um, but an information product like at its most basic level of it's just like one person with an amazing talent or skill that they've developed, like usually from a passion, if you can package that up and get that out to people who want to learn, that is, that is like as close to the ideal way of making money and having a business that I can think of. Right. You, you have complete control. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And everybody is an expert in something. It's crazy. Yes. 
I was everybody say that like my, my dad could write a pod or do a podcast or a book on deer hunting, for example, because he grew yeah. up doing it. He knows everything about it. He knows old tricks and like little things that are not in any books. Mm-hmm. And he could do that. And he's 75 years old. Um, you know, yeah. But anything you you're ha- passionate about. And you don't have to be, here's a revelation that I had this past year. You don't have to be, you know, have like 50 years of experience doing it. All you have to be is one step ahead. Yes. Yes. Right. Or, or, like, or, or, or teach in a way that's unique to you that people can understand. Yeah. Like, yep. Hmm. Um, yeah. one last question for you and then I'm, I'm going to let you go. Cause I'm, I'm going to keep, I'm keeping you from, from other things right now. And I appreciate you very much. Yeah. <laughs> this is... Oh, it's no problem. Yeah. I, I wrote this down and I wanted to just kind of ask you this question. I wanted to understand from your perspective, what's like when you look over the, you know, the, 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 the years in business, like what is the, what is the best investment you made and how did it change your life or business? My best investment in business. Hmm. Well, honestly, one thing that stands out to me was understanding how to use ad espresso and investing in that service to run Facebook ads. Um, that we made so much money from Facebook advertising because no one was there in the very beginning. And even now it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a great tool. Um, in terms of like outside of that, like actual, you know, apps or whatever, like as far as like maybe an investment of, of a skill, um, two things. One, one was investing in learning how to talk. So for example, learning how to teach, how to organize myself and teach at conferences and actually how to literally talk. I went to a, um, voice and speech coach in Seattle from a recommendation from one of my employees, like kind of on a whim, like, uh, haha, you know, yeah, maybe that'll be good. You know, I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm doing all right. Um, and that was great. That was really great to be able to control your, your uh, presence in front of people, especially in front of a, like a large crowd, huge, inve- a huge uh, bonus for that, in- that small investment. That was good. Mm. You know, I, if- I, I'd imagine that also helped you uh, pick up on your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. No, confidence is very important. Yeah. Confidence is important. There's a, there's always a vacuum for leadership. People are seeking leaders. Hmm. They are. People don't say it outright, but uh, leadership is a essential service. And if you feel that that it is right for you, it is a great role to step into, and people appreciate it. Um, because the world is chaos. It's the nature of the world. It's the nature of the universe. And the the leader is the person on the front line taming it and making sense out of it and protecting the people that aren't leading. That's your job. You're on the front line. Mm-hmm. That's really what it is. You're making decisions and being confident in those decisions. And that is a great service you can provide. It, it, it's not arrogance. A lot of people, a lot of people, uh, 
tie those things together. Like leadership is, you know, you must be arrogant or you think this or that or whatever you're, you know, the boss is an asshole or whatever, but really it's like a very important system. Um, people need leadership to be their best selves and to feel secure and feel like they're making a difference and that their contributions are meaningful. And Mm -hmm. a, and a leader is what brings it together. Um, it's a, it's an equal symbiotic relationship. So that, that, that was like a big investment was on leadership skills. Like I took some workshops and things like that in Seattle and that was great. I was a wedding photographer. I was a wedding photographer. You know, that there is no people management in that. Right. So I had to, I had to invest in that a lot to understand what to do. So I hope that answers your question. I don't know. It, it answers exactly. It's beautiful. This conversation has been beautiful. Your perspective on the world right now is beautiful. Um, I, I appreciate what you're bringing into the world. I appreciate your time, man. Oh, yeah. My pleasure. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. Listen, I truly hope you got something out of this episode that you can implement in your life or business immediately. But before you go, I've got one ask of you, and that's to please subscribe and rate this podcast. Help me help other creative entrepreneurs like you and I. And here's the deal. When you leave your rating, you'll win a 15-minute free consultative meeting with me to talk specifically about your business. Just send me an email with an image or a screenshot of your rating, and we'll schedule the time. Thanks again. You rock.